Welcome to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, the twice-weekly podcast that will open your eyes to the kinds of insights you can use to better run your business. Come have your morning Joe with hosts Lonnie Shambi and Stan Simpkins, who have the right recipes and ingredients to easily help you cook up a storm for even your toughest competitor. No lectures, no wasting your time telling you how smart they are, and no bullshit. The Small Business Wake-Up Call is going to make you think, laugh, and help you recognize how much money you've been leaving on the table with advice that'll help you improve your quality of life. Lonnie and Stan are small business veterans who will share their individual war stories and experiences, not only from their own businesses, but also from guiding hundreds of other small business owners in over 100 industries. Head on over to sbvirtualroundtables.com where you can connect with Lonnie and Stan and save yourself some headaches. Grab that second cup of joe, or maybe something a bit stronger, and let's see what's on the menu for today. Welcome to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, and here are your hosts, with cups in hand, Lonnie Shambi and Stan Simpkins. Does your business have a five-year history, or a one-year history five times? Welcome to today's podcast, where Stan and I will review an ailment that affects many small businesses. The running in place syndrome. We all go through times when we're just going through the motions, whether that be professionally or in our personal relationships. Many small business owners experience similar periods when they just put things on automatic pilot. Essentially, the same thing this week they did last week, last month, or even last year. Whether it's complacency or you're just caught up in a routine that Before you know it, you're reliving the past. No matter what causes it, way too many businesses go through it and results of it aren't readily apparent until one day the owner takes a look around and realizes that the business hasn't progressed like it should. In fact, it's simply repeating history again and again. That means the owner and his small business have stopped learning and invariably stopped growing. I know you know professional people whose careers are like that. They don't have five years' experience, but you've probably seen resumes. But one year's experience, five times. They're simply doing the same thing year in, year out, less so these days, but sometimes the job is just set up that way, mind-numbing routine done over and over. So it's the only way they can get either is to get another job for learning or growth. Wow. So Talk about a downer topic, Lonnie. Hey, but we told our viewers and our listeners, <laughs> it never always going to be a bed of roses here. <laughs> it's just, this, I think they've all hung up on us. And yeah, that's it. It's, Talk about let's put falling these guys out of a I remember Lonnie had a client. It was a long established third generation hardware operation. And the owner, you could just tell he didn't want to be in his business. He was out doing, I said, well, why are you doing so many things in the community and you're not spending time at the businesses? Because I hate the business. I never wanted to be in the business. And I said, but you're 58 years old. You're just discovering that now. He says, no, I never had a choice, actually. And the truth is he had a choice. He just got lazy-minded. And it happens in small business all the time. We fall out of love with our business. Because we kind of get lazy, especially when things are doing really great. How do we offer hope to small business owners in the first place? And the answer is they have an opportunity to control their destiny if they want to continually learn and grow. Yet it happens far more often than it should. And one day they wake up and it's Groundhog Day again. 
It's almost insidious. And sometimes even the most hands-on small business owner gets caught up in it. I'm sure you can tell the stories about that, Lonnie. Oh, God, can I ever. I mean, it's the kind of a thing where everybody knows the problem, but nobody wants to change it. Why? Because it's comfortable. It's like old shoes. Okay, but even old shoes get worn down and the like. And the same old, that's same what old. Happens. Lack of vision, yeah. no goals. They're just absolutely doing the donuts, as the old commercial used to say. Overwhelmed by challenges, just simply yeah. things are running too well, like I said. What we'll tell you about today is some telltale signs that you might look at to see if you're an automatic pilot. Whether you're exhibiting some or all of these symptoms, it's time to take a hard look at how your company's operating. If you've had no growth or slow growth over the last several years, and you've blamed it on external factors, think about it. Over the last 18 months, COVID's been blamed. In past years, the economy and government regulations were convenient scapegoats. While they all had their negative impact on small business, what happens is it prevents companies from really looking at the true factors that might be behind the lack of growth. Stan and I have both been through a series of economy ups and downs, but you just can't blame the economy. I had a client that I picked up during the tail end of the 2007-2009 Great Recession. Kept using that as an excuse for slow or no growth. Came 2010 and nothing changed except for the booming economy around them. <laughs> now, we could get down to business, and we did. We found out all the problems hiding in the corners that were deemed problems of the recession. Nope. They were people and process problems that the bad times had hidden. And in the good times, the spotlight was right on them. Bad times, they're like a spotlight on a Broadway show. They highlight the holes in the fence. Stan, what we did is we made a couple of changes, one important one, and that is we took a key longtime manager, elevated him into a major decision-making role, kind of pushed the owner into a chairman position. He could play golf when he wanted and, and he the like because he didn't care about day-to-day -day management. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, emeritus to his title. The result was the company grew more than 25% over the next two years, each year. We had to turn over a third of the organization. So it happens. It happens in sales where you'll get a very successful sales organization. It seems to have lost its way. Well, how do you know that? Well, sales are down. Well, if you really analyze it, sometimes... What they've tried to do is repeat a year that couldn't be repeated. It's kind of like 2010 or 2018 or 19, which were really off the chart years. They're not good models. And then what happens is the teams, management, sales strategies all get into a situation where they're the very definition of Einstein's insanity definition. That is, they keep trying the same stuff over and over again, expecting a different result. Their sales process was broken. And it was broken because they didn't pay attention to it in the good Well, you times. know, Lonnie, that's interesting about insanity. You know, I call it numbness. I see companies who will invite us in 
And there's almost a mental numbness to the problems that exist. You ask them, what about this? And they go, what problem? You know how humans adapt? They adapt to the problem to the point where they don't even see the problem anymore. And how long has it been going? Well, it's been here for years. And you go, really? What problem? They don't even know. And you learn it from the employees. And the employees, you start to talk about, oh, we've already asked the boss to do this. He hasn't done it. I don't care if it's employees that should no longer be there. They've kind of like, their expiration date has passed. Okay. But they're still there. Okay. Not because of age, but because of confidence or culture changes. It could be broken or misguided processes that happen. They keep doing them. Why do you do it that way? Well, that's the way we always did it. I mean, the examples manifest themselves all over the place, but nobody sees it. It's a comfort level. That's the critical thing here. It will really, really knock a company on its ass. And I mentioned in a previous podcast, and I don't want to make this example shopworn, but it's so illustrious to this. So I had the client I mentioned once before, the remodeling company, and two brothers who were always fighting. And ultimately, as I had said in the previous podcast, they resolved it by switching jobs. Well, I hate to tell you something. They had been in their jobs for probably eight years. They were only in their early 30s, so they hadn't really been with the company that long in terms of the roles. They worked their way up. But they ultimately landed in the roles of one being production manager, one being sales, and they were a misfit. They swapped jobs and they'd be great. But everyone knew that including them, but no one realized that was the issue. But yet they knew they were each complaining about each other's performance for valid causes because people get used to it. What happens is there's a comfort level that people get to. Depending on the function or whatever, it doesn't matter. It basically stifles creativity. You bring new employees in, and by three months in, they're talking the same talk. This ought to be a wake-up call, though. It's a corollary to a question we'll ask later, and that is, what's the last new thing we learned as a company? What I love, and I don't know if we have room for a drum roll here before I give you this one, it's, that's the way we've always done it. (laughs) Talk about stifling change. (laughs) Getting comfortable can be cancer. So I would tell you one of the symptoms or one of the ways to manifest and spot these issues is when things are too comfortable. If it's not broken, don't fix it. But maybe it's time for innovation. Just a second look. When you're in with a client, have you ever gotten feedback from them by asking a question like, if it was up to you, what would you change? What kind of answers have you gotten? (laughs) Okay. Because I bet if we compared answers, well, what's even more embarrassing is when you as a consultant think you had a wonderful brainstorm idea and you throw it out to the employees and they say, we already ran that by him. He wouldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of like the big thing to change the company will be a suggestion box. And it's kind of like, yeah, what's the thing? What better coffee in the coffee room? Mm, no. Well, this company had a no. suggestion box. It was wooden. I told them what they need to do is change it to metal. That might make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> like the ones that have in safe deposit boxes. So, Absolutely. Yeah, but you'll like this one. So I once had a client who had a suggestion box. And I said, well, what was the best suggestion that was ever in there? And the owner says, when they said, get rid of the suggestion box. <laughs> That's an old joke. (laughs) A consultant's joke, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, and another symptom is that each marketing campaign looks just like the last one. 
our marketing campaigns just looking old and tired? Is this year's email solicitation program just last year's with a new coat of paint? I mean, there was a client I had who was spending literally, literally millions on marketing. And a lion's share of it was in, I want to say, shit against the wall kinds of programs. That is, let's try this. That's the norm. Let's try that. Ready, aim, fire? Well, it's the norm when they have no clue because, A, they're not talking to sales because we've said this before. Marketing's job is to create qualified leads. And sales will tell them that the leads they're giving me are not qualified. But if marketing's not listening and they're simply trucking out last year's campaigns or going with the same one year after year, where basically it's kind of like the best way to describe it is they haven't thought about who their target market is. So it's kind of like getting a, I remember big four accounting firms will periodically advertise on TV. And you think about that and you say to yourself, well, yeah, I guess some of their particular clients would be viewers. Yeah, but it's like shooting a sparrow with an elephant gun. I mean, what the hell kind of target marketing is that? Marketing is a good place to look because it really is the spirit of the organization. And it's what, when people can see a campaign that's working, that just uplifts the organization. That's us. We're doing that Facebook campaign. Well, we put that Instagram thing up. That's us. That's what marketing is about. Businesses ebb and flow, and at least they should. Yours is just flowing. If yours is just flowing, it's time to look for some telltale signs that you have a company on automatic pilot. That is definitely time to shake things up. So how do you avoid complacency? Prevent stagnation, manage the necessary changes that can keep your company growing fresh and vibrant. We'll give you some key guidance to help you do that in just a minute. As a small business owner, you face many challenges. You're not alone. What can be even more stressful is not having someone to talk to who doesn't have their own agenda. What if you could talk in depth and confidentially to other small business owners like you on a periodic basis, folks facing the same challenges or who have solved the same problems? The Small Business Virtual Roundtables is the answer for you. Small Business Virtual Roundtables are held monthly for 90 minutes. Membership in each roundtable is limited to 15 people, providing ample time for each member to have their issue addressed by their fellow members. These peer advisory groups are formed to avoid competitive concerns while taking into consideration company size and characteristics that closely match your own business. Need more attention? There is a complimentary 30-minute one-on-one session with the facilitators during the month to seek additional feedback. Monthly membership fees to the Small Business Virtual Roundtables are less than the cost of an hour with your attorney, and this is all done without ever leaving your office or home. Just the time savings of avoiding needless driving is worth the cost. New groups of the Small Business Virtual Roundtables are now being formed on a first-come, first-served basis. Ready to sign up? Head to sbvirtualroundtables.com to receive a complimentary invitation to attend up to three meetings. Again, that's sbvirtualroundtables.com. With Small Business Virtual Roundtables, there's no need to go it alone. And now, 
Back to Lonnie and Stan. So Lonnie, how do you avoid complacency and keep the company fresh and vibrant? Just curious. Well, Stan, first thing is learned from yesterday. Don't relive it. Not everything you did to get your company launched was right. You know how you achieved your early success and you've continually built on it. But you got to keep reaffirming your culture because what will happen is it'll get away from you if it's not working and it's not operating around the basic values upon which you founded the company. That should be a red flag for you. And it's easy for it to happen. I had a client who had a manufacturing business that, I mean, he was just, it was wed to it. I mean, he lived it morning, noon, and night. But that was part of the problem. He had his head down most of the time and really was, again, back to some things we said earlier, he was kind of reliving where he was. He wasn't learning anything. And he woke up one morning and said, he realized it. And he said, we got to change this. And he started to do wholesale changes starting at his desk. And how he did it was very simply, he was doing things where he was bringing people in and learning from the people around him. While he had his head down in the company, other people were learning what was going on, especially about their competition. And Stan, I think... You've got thoughts about that we as well. We about how that happens oftentimes when the small business owner brings their first general manager, let's say, and you always talk about culture. If they've hired strictly for skill set and, quote, resume, before they know it, the culture that they created, which made the company great, isn't the culture that's there a year later. And it's insidious, and they never saw it because, as you said, they're heads someplace else, and they're not paying attention. So we see that happen all the time. So, you know, you've always talked about learning from the competition, and I don't mean copy from competitors, but to learn from them, picking the best of the best and avoiding the worst of the worst. Well, the ones that basically kick your ass in the and marketplace. You know who they are. <laughs> okay. Looking at this can be a checklist process, just using checklists for it to see what they're doing and what you're not doing so you can make a judgment. And that's the key is if they can outgun you in resources, especially in the bank role, you might be starting a fight or copying a process you can't afford to do or even implement in many cases. In fact, sometimes we see the things we're doing in concept, they're great ideas, but ones we can improve on to gain a slight advantage. And that's, we talked about the slight edge, like in batting, slight change of position, not major changes, something you can do on your own with little monetary effort. Find the niche is really what it is. They don't do everything well especially your big competitors. Find out what they don't do well. That's their Achilles heel. Go get it. If that wasn't a realistic approach, (laughs) then why would competitors be spending tons of money to reverse engineer product design, let alone operational design, if you will? Absolutely. Next, never stop asking hard questions. You have to continually question what you're doing and why. And for me, why is the single most important question a small business owner can ask. Why are we still doing that? Why are we losing valuable employees? Why are our customers demanding lower pricing? Well, because they always do. I'm sorry. (laughs) I couldn't avoid that. Sorry. Why is our main product no longer a market leader? Answering why questions usually gives you the root cause of the problems. 
and they get you on your way to solving it. Stan, tap the drum roll button, please. And we both know the all-time winner. Why do you do it that way? That often results in a response, something like, oh, that's the way we always did it, rather than an explanation that supports keeping it that If that wasn't true, way. we wouldn't be in business. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Unlike you, I am an engineer. However, I'm an electrical engineer. So I'm not even as mechanically inclined as you are beyond hand tools. And even in hand tools, somebody has to show me which end of the hammer to hold. I'm an EE, that's electrical engineer. I don't change a light bulb. Lonnie, <laughs> just so anyone says, I've seen your toolkit. Anyone who has the hammer with a piece of paper and it says hammer and screwdriver dash flat and screwdriver dash Phillips and that would kind of justify what you just said. <laughs> Stands true. What can I tell you? But I can still look at processes and see where they might be opportunities to make improvements. So I can only imagine the insights that a skilled person could offer, like in your own organization. But after you've been the victim as an employee of Shoot the Messenger, you're often not inclined to jump into that line of fire. Well, I could tell you a story again. about that one. So uh, talk about discouraging people from asking questions. So I got my first job out of college, uh, CPA firm. I was a rather inquisitive young accountant. And I was encouraged by the founding partners to ask questions. So I did. In fact, he was the one who interviewed me and hired me. And he went to the same college, I might add. However, he didn't know what he didn't know was his team of older supervisors, older being they were in their 40s. I was younger. They were not of the same mindset, Lonnie. And so they complained, literally complained to the owner, which I didn't know, that I asked too many questions. There were like three of them. All said, Stan, they asked too many questions, which kind of hurt me. You know, when he sat me down and said, you know, we need to talk. And I was only with the firm maybe six months at the time. So I had a lot of questions. And I had worked for two years for a CPA in college. So I had some exposure to the field. It wasn't totally fresh. And he brought this to my attention. I said to him, Sam, Politely, I asked him the question, what were the questions I was asking that were not appropriate to the duties and were the questions I asked questions that were repetitious? Maybe I should have learned from them. And he said, no, none of that. The result was seven years later, and I'm bragging, I became a partner and none of them had. In fact, I even got a little hand-carved briefcase from him that he brought back from Mexico at the end of the year, and he awarded it to me as the most improved employee of the year. I'd want you to know that. I thought that would be great. <laughs> it didn't have why engraved yeah. in the True side. story. I mean, because <laughs> he didn't realize his culture of supervisor wasn't following his own. And I must give him credit. He totally influenced my life about lifelong learning. He's the guy that got me reading all the time, constantly always learning something new because I go, I never considered myself an outstanding student. I was a great student in accounting, but B student, C student, a lot of the rest of the subjects that you needed to get a degree on. And I'm thinking I'm just an okay, normal, average one, not realizing I was actually better than that, if you will. So that helped me a lot. Having curious people is really something you want to think about. And the more you can do that, the better. So Lonnie, another important part of this is embracing your new people and encouraging them to bring their ideas to you. Never stop looking for better people. Recruiting, talking about recruiting, 
people think you recruit when you need a person rather than always to be looking for talent and building an inventory, if you will, of contacts, networking, that type of thing. My advice to most of my clients, to all my clients actually, is hire people that are better than you are. Hey, think about that. That's a little scary for big ego business owners. But you know what? That's what brings in new ideas. And those people typically are very curious, which is what we've talked about. You can't do better than that when you're trying to hire, is put that bar up there. Hire better than you are. Hire for culture, but hire better than you are. new people are more under pressure to make their mark and develop their identity amongst the rest of the team. So they're the ones you definitely want to stimulate and encourage. Because if you give them the wrong message in the beginning, you just threw a lot of money out the door for free. The other thing is one of these other areas to look at, continue to upgrade your systems and processes. We talked about this in an earlier session. Technology can be a key factor in both driving change, making operations more effective, and have an ongoing plan to constantly review, upgrade systems and technology, and also help make your operation more cost-effective as the price of technology continues to come down. Know your market how it's changing. The more comfortable you get in a market, the less attention you may pay to it. When you get to know the major players or even become one yourself, you tend to just take less notice of changes that are going on around you. Like have some new players joined in the fray, have some new trends emerge that caught you by surprise. Before COVID, when was the last trade association meeting you went to to understand the new trends that are going on well, in Lonnie, your marketplace? like this one. You've heard of a thing called a map. Remember those things called maps? I do. We had a company in the area that was well-known. Their product was sold throughout all the convenience stores, gas stations, all. They're called maps. Well, I don't know who that owner was, <laughs> but they obviously weren't paying attention to what was going on online, were they? No. No, they weren't. And it didn't they happen weren't. overnight. It wasn't like they the weren't given due thing. warning. No. The media business thought the internet was just a passing fancy. It would go away after five years, and they'd be right back to selling newspapers. Mm-mm. Can't buy a newspaper easily today, can you? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> so, I mean, I remember when there were two papers in Philadelphia, or three papers in Philadelphia, actually, and there's barely one and a half now, because there are two, but... Whatever. I mean, the other one is like a pamphlet. This is the thing to think about also, finally, is rethink the basic premise of your business. Now, that sounds extreme, but it's not. If I were to start this business today, what would I have done differently than knowing what I know that I didn't know then? Or further, think about it this way. Have you ever thought about reinventing yourself, reinventing your business? I have a client right now, in fact, who has a very, very successful practice, consulting practice, that suddenly has been inundated by low-cost providers. And so all of a sudden, he's getting aced out of stuff that had never happened to him before. So what's he doing? He had to completely reinvent himself, moved up market, and began offering another service that no one has offered before. And the interesting thing is when he put this initial service in 12 years ago, nobody was offering anything like it. Now there are dozens of people offering the same service cheaper. So it's constantly reinventing yourself. 
This is a really good point, especially for multi-generation companies. We have this thing called the marshmallow effect, and it happens to the succeeding generations as time goes on, where it's soft, sweet, comfortable. That's the marshmallow. (laughs) Picture yourself laying on a marshmallow big enough to hold you better than any sandbox couch you ever had. And it happens because they get comfortable. And then, of course, the generation who's on the way out, they want to protect their retirement funds, so they're a lot more risk-adverse, and that's even more profound when the next generation is totally non-risk-adverse. Hey, it ain't their money, right? And they just get comfortable, and they don't pay attention. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happened to this map company, frankly, because it had been around for a long time. So I suspect it was multiple generations, though I wasn't totally certain, to be honest. It just happened. So it's living in the past. That hardware company I mentioned, hardware store, that was a fourth generation hardware store, big operation, well known in the area. And it just faded away. Exactly. Because the big competition came in, the box stores, and they didn't find their niche. Exactly. I mean, it's interesting. And that happens every single day. You got to keep paying attention to what's going on around you. You got to constantly change. Okay, let's recap what we've just covered. We gave you some symptoms that tell you if you're simply reliving history, whether you're making excuses about lack of growth, blaming one operational area on another in your business, like sales or marketing, or just simply allowing sloppy procedures to continue to drag you down the road you keep returning to Groundhog's Day. And then we gave you some positive things that you can do to change things up, starting with learning from yesterday as opposed to reliving it. Never stop asking hard questions, embracing new people and ideas, constantly looking for ways to upgrade your systems and processes, and staying on top of your market, and maybe even looking for ways to reinvent your business. Well, Lonnie, as a scorekeeper here, I have to tell you, we're at the end. Lonnie, I really want to thank all of you for spending time with us. We invite you to share your war stories, and we'd love to hear some of them, and ask us questions or even request an invitation to be a guest at one of our virtual roundtables. Come and take a test drive and see where it can take you and your business. And we'll even allow you up to three visits. We can see if this is a good fit for you. That's a mutual fit, in the fact. We can promise you'll feel like one of the family sooner than you might expect. We'd love to answer your questions. We'd appreciate any and all feedback, good or bad. Just send along the email at sb, info at sb. That's info at sb, like in small business, virtualroundtables.com. We promise to be responsive. We're out. You've been listening to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, the podcast providing eye-opening insights and perhaps a caffeine high to better run your business. Delivered in Stan Simpkins and Lonnie Shambi's own unique style. Head on over to sbvirtualroundtables.com where you can connect with Lonnie and Stan, subscribe to the show, find more resources, and check out their monthly 90-minute virtual roundtables. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Wake-Up Call.